0: Bass Edge Radio commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you nationwide
1: from the Bass Edge Studios. Welcome to another edition of Bass Edge. Radio Man, Aaron, I can't believe we have entered summer quite officially here in the month of June.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, episode 257. We're getting old, Kurt. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is all 257 episodes to this point have been brought to you by our good friends at MegaWear KeelGuard. And, you know, you've heard us say it time and time again. What tremendous products. If you have not logged on to KeelGuard.com, be sure to do so and get the protection that the pros pick from Protect. Protecting your boat against grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps. They are the real deal.
1: No doubt, Aaron. You know, I could have used Skeg Guard at the last event up on the Mississippi River. Crazy wild navigation up there. Went over lots of sandbars, took the paint off all of my uh, Skeg. But uh, Skeg Guard would have been helpful. I actually saw a couple up there on some uh, on some small little John boats, man, like little 15, 25 horses. They had the uh, Skeg Guard on there. Obviously, another great product from Guard. So uh, it's been cool. I tell you, I've been watching emails come in from Bass Blaster. Bass Edge listeners, I know we've discussed it before, but if you're not signed up for Bass Blaster, you should get on the train because it's a pretty solid ride. You can get on that by sending an email to BassBlaster at BassGold.com. Jay Kumar, be glad to add you on to his email list. But uh, Aaron, there's some smallmouth being caught up north, buddy. The ice is gone. And uh, you think, of course, well, it's June. Well, let me tell you, dude, I just came back from that Wisconsin event, and it was in the 40s. 40s. (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, um, you know, I always like this time of year because when you start seeing those giant brown fish coming out of the north, that means it's about to get fun. But, yeah, crazy weather, Kurt, you know, the cold front. And then, of course, the flooding in the Midwest. We dealt with a lot of flooding. So changing conditions, you know, the the weather is is something (laughs) agitist. As anglers, that obviously plays big with each time that, that we're out on the water. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't feel too sorry for you because you've been down there January, you know, through the cold winter. Uh, in del rio enjoying the, the hot <laughs> sun so you deserve it
1: that's right that's right it actually hasn't been that hot down here it's been really great and uh fishing's been good as well but uh i tell you what we're gonna move into our next segment here real quickly we've got lots to talk about lots of happenings things going on stay tuned bass edge radio is going to be right back tip brought to you by protecttheharvest.com with Bass Edges own Aaron Martin. You know dock
2: fishing is always important throughout the course of all of our seasons that we go through but specifically when we get into summertime fishing a lot of those big commercial docks have a lot of bass that are holding out under them. However what I've noticed whether I'm pitching a jig or even throwing a spoon in there is sometimes they're congregated under one Bay or one stall specifically. Well, when you have 20 or 30 stalls, coming back to know when you set a waypoint or or on your GPS, you're like, okay, which stall was it? And i found that those fish hold constantly throughout the course as the tournament develops so a lot of times what I do not only will I set a waypoint on my GPS but I buy bright fluorescent colored garage sale stickers that you would put on a package or something that if you're going to sell maybe it's in bright neon pink or chartreuse but I'd simply reach out take that then when I come back to that spot I know exactly which stall that I'm going to fish and I'll fish the stall on each side of that decal so that I can have a good memory, keep my time efficient on the water, and go on to the next one. That's your tackle tip.
0: First by land, and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil, or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine products, visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z17, our entry level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z21, at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ot Defoe Nitro performance fishing boats, champions aren't born, they're made.
1: Aaron, nice tip, buddy. Loving that tip you gave there about some dock fishing. That was uh, very interesting. And and definitely that spoon fishing on docks is, you know, James Watson crushing them on TV, MLF and everything, doing some of that dock fishing with a spoon. And uh, it's very similar to the tip that you provided. They seem to be under certain stalls. And, and what a great way for uh, us anglers to get back and uh, capitalize on those fish that we find in those docks. But, uh, man, I don't know how much dock. Fishing's going on at this particular moment. How about the water levels in your neck of the woods, buddy?
2: Oh, man, I'm telling you, Kurt, as you know, uh, right before I left, um, I had a tournament down at Bull Shoals during that week. You know, great weather, and then the skies unleashed, right? The, the lake came up about two feet in 24 hours major, major adjustments. A matter of fact, the final day of the tournament, I had to basically go fish nothing that I fished in practice because there were so many changes that were going on. I had to get to the steeper stuff versus the flat because really it put a lot of the bushes underwater. We couldn't get to any of the courtesy docks. They were underwater because the core couldn't keep up with them. So obviously massive influx of water. In my particular area, we had 13 and a half inches of rain in two and a half days. Fortunately, wow. I was out of the country during that time um so that part was good but it has certainly played havoc on a lot of anglers you know just with all of this flow of water and it's really scattered the fish out because there's just so much more area for them to move you know i don't know what your experience has been kurt
1: well i can tell you exactly what it's been and uh that is beaver lake water came up like 15 feet while i was there over a seven day period struggled to adjust finished terribly in the tournament johnny mccombs wins throwing a buzz bait on newly flooded grass, not milfoil, not hydrilla not anything other than typical lawn grass (laughs) well it's funny it's funny you
2: say that because the pattern when i got back i checked with some guys on on table rock right and they were down there of course that lake hit an all-time record flooded in i believe 1954 was when the the dam was completed and they started flooding it but it hit an all-time record even beyond the flood that hit the 933 mark so i mean that crazy crazy high had all the floodgates open spillway everything else and the pattern was kurt looking for new newly manicured lawns where they had the green grass and they were throwing white spinner baits up in if they could get it up that far. But yeah,
1: that's the deal. That sounds like a great pattern when the water's coming up. I left there, uh, went and picked up my new boat, got it all rigged up, headed back to uh, home and then back to Arkansas where it was still flooded and continues to be flooded and uh, fished a major league fishing event there. You know, struggled as well. You know, the fish just didn't seem like they were positioning anywhere solidly throughout the uh, systems in that area of the country and um, so fish catches were were tough to come by for the whole field seemingly. Um, it was uh, an interesting event. I think when it comes out next year, people are going to love checking out the show because it made for a super tight competition. Can't tell you how it ended, but it made for super tight competition throughout the entire event. So another great MLF show that uh, was taped there in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So most people have probably Seen the press releases. So I'll be looking for that next year. Then straight to the Mississippi River. And what happens? Water's coming up. <laughs> so I got on a great pattern down there, was catching them really well out of some grass. And uh, once again, I repeated my process and failed to adjust well. I uh, did not have a very good event. Um, areas that I were fishing got blown out. It was very difficult to contend with for me. You know, a lot of guys that worked out really well. I, I will say pool nine on the Mississippi River is on an upswing so a lot of guys caught some nice fish down on pool nine and uh, obviously most people know the tournaments go out of there on pool eight but uh man what a fantastic fishery do you just catch the fire out of you know pound and a half to three pound largemouth? of course you can throw in a smallmouth there every once in a while but uh man just a lot of fun fishery again enjoyed my time there because i had a great practice period just uh did not put it together in the tourney
2: well that's why it's fishing and you know it's it's the one sport that you know baseball you can only succeed 30 percent of the time and you're in the hall of fame fishing uh yeah not so much but uh you know hey i am excited about who you have lined out because my understanding is this is a newcomer never before seen makes his bass edge debut and makes it in a big way
1: that's right we are all set to go for this edition of the lucas oil angler spotlight
3: This is BASS Elite Series Angler, Jamie Hartman. This is FLW Tour Champion, Mark Rose. I'm Pro Angler, Park Lane. This is Tour Angler, Scott Sugg. Hey guys, this is FLW Tour Pro, Jeff Sprague, relaxing right here with Fast Edge Radio.
1: For this episode's Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight, we get to chat with an angler that is really solidifying himself as one of the best newcomers to the BASS Elite Series with a recent elite victory at Ross Barnett over in Mississippi and currently leading the Rookie of the Year race. Great to have on the show BASS Elite Angler Dustin Connell. Dustin, appreciate you taking time to be on Bass Edge. I appreciate y'all having me this morning.
2: Well, first off, Dustin, uh, not only congratulations on your Elite Series win, but also your debut on Bass Edge Radio. Great to have you. You know, that win at Ross Barnett, that really must reinforce your decision to pursue bass fishing, you know, as an occupation.
3: Yeah, man, that's uh, that's always what I've, I've wanted to do, man. I mean, it's all—it's every fisherman's dream to go and, and do this. And uh, since I was 10 years old, I've, I've always loved fishing and wanted to do it. And man, you know, since I was 10, you know, I learned fishing 10, 12, and I just keep... Learning, 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 and finally, all that time is starting to pay off, and it feels very good. Well, now hang
2: on a second. You say all that time, you're not that old, like a, like the old men you're talking to, Kurt and I. So that I think speaks volumes for just you know getting the information, but also then being able to apply that information, like you have been. I mean, that's tremendous. Right? Yeah. I mean,
3: I'm I say that like I'm old. I'm I'm 26. I feel old. I know that, but uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, no what's I, I'm. coming, bro? On much time on the water. I mean, I think I did an interview the other day and I talked to some guys and they asked how long I stay on the water a year, like how many days. And I, I said, man, last year I stayed on the water 280 days out a year. So full-time deal
1: that's no question to uh keep going with different techniques and really dialing this thing in uh, we we recently did an episode with Jordan Lee who who also just like yourself came through the college ranks sure you guys had a uh great rivalry Jordan being the uh, Auburn guy and you being the Alabama guy right
3: right yeah that's
1: <laughs> always he's one of my best friends
3: and I, I talked to him yesterday matter of fact and he's a he's a great fisherman and good friend
1: too that's awesome. Well, it was a really revealing video, obviously, that Bassmaster produced. It had a lot of comments there on Bassmaster.com, and that was about your thought process prior to weigh in um, there at Ross Barnett. What most anglers don't really realize, you know, when they're wanting to be on the national tour is those things that you hear before you get there, and you don't quite understand it until you get there. Can you kind of explain some of that to our younger crowd here at Bass Edge Radio as far as what they're in store? for you know trying to make an occupation and a career out of this and and how important some of those uh victories or or those chances to have victory can really be to an angler
3: i would say there are two things one is the business side of fishing and i still work on it every day um you know it's one thing to go out there and and catch a fish it's another thing to go out there and promote sponsors that allow you to be there the other side of it is these guys are really really good and you know right before i started the elites i'm sitting there wondering like how can these guys be any better than these local guys i fish against they are man they are well rounded they can catch them deep shallow it don't matter and they will find a way to catch them that's probably my two things is really learn the business side of things i still learn every day and these guys are the best in the world. Well,
2: Dustin, being new on tour, obviously you have prepared and you continually prepare to compete really on several new bodies of water. And, and when you are preparing, what information, if any, do you acquire off the water to kind of get ready for really putting that strategy into place once you get to the lake?
3: I do several different things. I look at Google Earth. I always check water levels, uh, past weather history um i always pre-practice now in the elites we have a 30-day cutoff which i'm not sure if it's the same with a tour but i try to pre-practice those lakes especially if i've never been there and i'm not really concerned about catching fish in my pre-practice i I just want to ride around the lake waypoint some good looking areas maybe a few lay down trees a couple rock banks and just kind of know the lake. And then when I launch my boat there, I know, hey, the water temp's this, the water level's this, and I can go from there.
1: That's a pretty easy concept. You know, obviously, this year so far, dude, you've been knocking it out of the park. You, you know, your AOI standings is way up there, especially for a newcomer. I mean, you're competing against these guys that have been on these bodies of water over and over and over in years and years and years of experience. And and as Aaron alluded to earlier, you're a young dude, man. I mean, even though you've got a lot of time on the water— um, like many of the young anglers do, there's still that learning process that continues to evolve. How do you learn yet be so successful at the same time? Do you have some keys that you feel like are really helping you be more consistent? The biggest thing for me is I
3: try to fish my strengths. And when I say that, you know, sometimes your strength is also your weakness because, you get out there and you, you try to be versatile. You want to go crank in practice. You want to go fish shallow in practice. And before I know it, I've spent my whole practice throwing a crankbait out deep, running the bank, throwing a buzzbait, doing that. When sometimes you need to slow down and just do one thing. But while I'm in practice, I just kind of Feel the lake out. That's what I try to do. I roll over a point. I see some brush. I see, I see two fish down there. I start, wheels start turning. All right, there's some fish out deep. Man, I I really just try to do my strengths everywhere I go.
1: What seems like your career really got started and and moving in a good direction when you won the uh, Open there at the uh, Alabama River, right? That was uh, 2015, correct? That's right. Right. So, you know, reading some of the articles that came through that open wind and, and really kind of when you got pushed out into the public eyes, you might say, in the in the bass fishing industry, in the bass fishing community, you were kind of a professed deep water angler. Most anglers refer to river systems to shallow water fisheries. Can you help us understand how you break down deep water on a river system in the summer months like, you know, we are here in early June?
3: In my mind, there's two different kinds of river systems. You have a river system such as the Tennessee River, which is huge. It really acts the same way as the Alabama River, which is a true river. You know, it's always flowing, or most of the time, you know. Deep water on a river system, such as Tennessee River, everyone knows they're going to move out deep and get on ledges. Well, it's the same concepts on a smaller river, Alabama River, for example. Those fish, they get out in 22 foot, 25 foot, and uh, a lot of them suspend if there's no current, but I always try to fish hard bottom. Same concept on Tennessee River. You roll over a place, it's a hard shell bottom. You roll over a, a creek mouth on the Alabama River, it don't really have sand it's got gravel and those fish stay around those areas year-round. They spawn on them, they slide back off in the summer, and they suspend in 22 to 25 feet. And that's how I really fish in the summer on River systems. I go with the fish. They just slide out deeper.
2: So on the suspended fish, Dustin, will you spend time out there trying to catch the suspended fish, or do you move on and look for them specifically when they're relating to the bottom and try and catch them off the bottom?
3: There's two ways I try to catch them. If there is current, those fish are going to move up on top of those hard places. They're going to be in 15-foot, you know, sometimes 20-foot. I catch them on a swim bait, stuff like that. If there is no current, a big deal right now is drop shot, a the Mickey rig. You know, any of those vertical-type deals, you can catch them, especially spotted bass, but a largemouth the same way. I mean, I've been a lot of times, I've seen fish on my graph on Tennessee River, and you drop a drop shot in front of them, they bite it. And you can't get them to nothing else. So uh, vertical with no current is really, really good.
1: When you're looking at no current situations, is it generally always offshore? I mean, you're talking about suspended fish. Are you always looking at, you know, submerged islands or humps or mouths of creeks? Or sometimes do you also look up close to the bank? You know, the cool thing about the Alabama River system is you got spotted bass and largemouth bass, right? So do you find that the species tend to relate things differently or do you feel like they all group together and they're all the same
3: this is what i call the 80 percent rule and i don't know i just made this up about a year ago and i always try to fish for that 80 percent 20 percent of the fish are always on the bank they, they're always there they're they're always biting buzz baits and frogs and you know they're the most pressured fish 80 percent of them live behind the boat they're out deeper they're out there just roaming around they're, they're schooling out in the middle if I can ever tap into that 80% out there, and it may be on a creek mouth, it may be on a hump or just a, a deep channel bend, that's another good thing on the river. Any of those deeper channel bend banks, there may be a shelf hanging off of it, and I'm fishing the shell. People ride by and they think I'm fishing the bank. I'm fishing a 10-foot shell that runs out 30 feet off the bank, and on that drop, those fish are sitting. So. There's a lot that really goes into
1: it. Makes great sense, man. I appreciate that. When you're talking about the shelf on the edge, you're talking about something where you're fishing off. Is that something also where you're looking for that deep break line where those fish are kind of hovering out and and maybe suspended off that deep break line? Or are they, you know, generally related to the shelf depending on the current situation?
3: They do. Um, A lot of times I run Lowrance Electronics. And I I roll over a ledge or a shelf on the river, for example, and you'll see them every time. They'll be, you'll be sitting in 30 feet and it'll be just a straight ledge and they'll be sitting right on that lip, 10 or 12 feet or sometimes 15 foot. They sit on that Drop that way, they can move up and down with the current. They normally sit right there on that lip. That's the best ones that you can catch is when they're positioned like that. And are you predominantly dragging a, a
2: jig or, or a more bottom focused bait for where they hit it on the fall, or are you coming more lateral through the water column? It
3: just depends on how many fish are on a certain place. For example, if I roll over a shelf like that on the Alabama River and I see three on my Side imaging or down imaging—that tells me there's probably more there. So I'm going. My first cast is going to be with a crankbait. If I roll over and see one down there, and then I roll over ten feet down a little ways and I see another one, that tells me hey, they're kind of scattered. I might need to throw a jig. So it just really depends on how that position out there
1: it makes sense, man. Hey, Dustin, we're going to pause for a moment. Everyone, hang tight. Bass Edge Radio is going to return with Bass Elite Series angler Dustin Connell.
2: Bass Edge Radio brought to you in part by Lawrence Electronics, returns with BASS Elite Series Angler Dustin Connell in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products from real oils to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements. Be sure to visit them at lucasoil.com. It works.
1: All right, Dustin, we're going to keep on the uh, river talk real quick and, and specifically talking about current. We talked a little bit about, uh, you know, some current and TVA systems, the Alabama River system. Um, it's such a huge key to fishing rivers. How do you utilize current to your favor in these coming more months as, as we get into June?
3: I always try to find current somehow and uh, it positions fish and they're, they're always feeding in it. For example, on the Alabama River, I keep going back to that. I, I'm going to move to the Cusa River now, which is totally different if, you, if you're not familiar with it. They're all generated by dams. So let's just say at 10 a.m. they're cutting on water. In the morning, really, it's going to be super slow. I know my bite will happen later in the day because that's when them fish are positioned. And and I may run to a place that's a a hard place or or a 15-foot drop, and with no current, they're not going to be there. I know that. I can fish it. I can slow down and drag a jig, but I know they're not going to be there. 20 minutes after they cut water on, you know they're going to start moving up on it. So I always try to find current. Especially in warm water, that's a huge deal. It's really everything on a river is current. So, you
2: know, my next question, I want you to kind of speak on this too, because also the wind, right, plays into, it It creates current, perhaps even when there's there's at least water movement. So when you're looking at whether it's it's dam generated, you know, they turn on the water or it's a naturally flowing, like you talk about the Alabama River, or let's say it's wind current, what techniques do you lean on when attacking those kind of those current-related fish And are there really any little tricks that that you can share with us that that's your go-to, you know, that you always know that, hey,
3: if this is happening, this is what I'm going to be doing? Probably the bait that I would, my go-to bait would be a jig. Uh, Just a casting jig, a half ounce or three quarter. That bait is kind of my search bait. I know that's a slow bait, but if I see some fish on my graph, then I think I can catch them on a jig. They'll buy a jig because they're positioned for a reason. Also, another huge bait on on a river system, and uh, I know this don't really relate to deep fishing, but as a jerk bait. I may roll up on a place that has current and wind just, you know, winds banging on a bank and I got current and the water's clear. I'm going to throw a jerkbait all the way down that stretch because I know there's fish there they just may be suspended, you know? So uh, a jerk bait and a jig is, is two of my favorite baits. Well, real
1: quick, you talked about um, using your electronics, maybe even before you start obviously casting that jig out there. In the summer months, are you looking on the front side of current brakes? Are you looking, you know, on the back side of current brakes? you know if you had to throw that 80/20 rule out there for deep fish where would you find 80% of your fish obviously you know you talked about some of the hard spots but what are high percentage areas that you're going to look when you're looking for those deep water fish on river systems
3: typically when you have current they're going to be on the front side of those breaks or 80s. i mean they're they're not i don't normally catch them in an eddy or a bowl and when i say a bowl that means a uh, you know, let's just say there's a shoal or, or a, a little jut or nub in the river. I don't catch them behind that stuff. They want to sit right in the front of it. So, for example, same way on Tennessee River. I keep going back to that. If there is a, let's just say a bar that runs horizontal out into the river and there's current flowing over it, I'm going to catch them on that front side of that. They're going to be positioned right on that front edge. I don't know why they get like that. You would think they would sit behind it just out of the current, but they sit right in front. That way they can move right up and eat when something swims by. So uh, I catch them on the front side of those areas. Does water
2: clarity make a difference when you're talking about current at all?
3: Huge difference. Big difference for my baits also. Uh, Fishing has changed. It really has. If the water is super clear, I mean, obviously a lot of people know they're not going to buy a crankbait near as good swim baits are a big deal. If it gets clear, I always throw a swim bait in there every time. And uh, I throw a crankbait a lot, but when it's, super clear like that then uh, a swim bait is the deal
1: so i got a quick question a couple years ago a lot of people saw the elite series event that was on the alabama river um we had super crazy amounts of current really high water um a lot of those fish were, were caught up on the bank when you get heavy amounts of rain and you get a big dose of water flowing through a system and your current speed becomes really high do you tend to stay offshore and still target those fish or do you feel like you know that 80 percent of fish moves a little bit closer to the bank to get out of some of that strong current flow how do you strategize when you have that type of situation
3: i look at two things i look at the water color. and for example in the elite series event they had it was flooding the water was up really really high it was really muddy and uh, that's gonna force those fish to be against the bank They're not going to sit out in 15 foot or 12 feet. They're going to be right against the bank if the water's high and muddy. Same way with largemouth on any other lake. If it gets high and muddy, there's a 90% chance that tarmac will be worn shallow, you know, on a buzz bait or a flipping a jig or a spinnerbait. So uh, on a river system, if it, gets really muddy and flowing really hard i'm throwing a spinnerbait that's my go-to i'm gonna find small eddies on the bank and uh pitch a jig in those eddies and they're gonna be tight
1: so do you feel like the fish are actually moving out of the current in that situation then they're like trying to escape that fast water because obviously on a slower moving current situation you talked about them being kind of frontal faced inside the current and on the front side of eddy or boil areas you know kind of being in that current you think now they're kind of of moving off and back away from that stuff
3: they do they go wherever the shad are gonna go for example if i have just a moderate current you know it's, it's not really strong those shad they get out in the middle you see them out in the middle swimming around you know flickering but when that current gets really strong, those shad, they have to get against the bank in an eddy somewhere. And, uh, a very good idea is when you're fishing a river and it's really flooded or currents really fast, you may find a small little eddy. When you pitch in that eddy, you'll see shad flicker, like jump out of water. That tells me, hey, then fish are up there nearer. So I really chase the bait. That's a big deal in a river system. Well, Dustin, our time is
2: flying by here, but one thing I do want
3: to know, you know, being
2: kind of newer on the tour what are really some new lure trends that you're seeing this year on tour that all of us should be really having inside of our our
3: tackle box three new lure trends one of them is going to be a spinning rod, such as the Ned rig or a drop shot rig, a damiki rig. Spinning rod is a huge deal, especially when you're fishing different lakes. You always need to be confident in a spinning rod. Another new lure is going to be, and it's not really new, but it's always a player. It's a jerkbait. I always have a jerkbait tied on, no matter where I go, because fish are eating shad. I've always, always want to have that tied on another lure. There's a lot of different topwater baits, honestly, out there now. You got a whopper plopper, you got a ton of different walking baits. That whopper plopper, man, that's an awesome little bait. I've caught a bunch of fish on that, but I always try to find a new. Something the fish haven't seen, but uh, those are probably my three things. But that spinning rod is a huge deal.
1: All right, good stuff, guys. It's time for our listener question segment brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. This question, Dustin, comes from Isaac Prince out in Washington State. Isaac asks, when the fishing's been good on a reservoir, dragging jigs along the rocks, but the wind picks up, making it near impossible to fish anything on the bottom because because you just can't feel what's going on. What should you do? I've tried crankbaits, swimbaits with zero luck. What are some alternatives or something that Isaac needs to change up to uh, have more success in those situations?
3: There's two options that you can do. If the wind has picked up and you can't hardly feel the bottom, you might change to a heavier jig. You may throw a three-quarter ounce jig. If it were me, I would throw a jerkbait down those same rocks. I would pull up. I know it may be hard to throw it with the wind, but I may turn around, you know, facing the wind or or against it, and I'll try to throw a jerkbait and those fish are gonna be right against the bank. Another thing you can do is try to downsize a little bit. You may tie on, instead of a jig, you may just throw a big shaky head with a trick worm on there, you know, so uh, I would probably throw that jerk bait for sure.
2: Well, and when you talk about jerk baits, Dustin, this time of year being the first part of June, are you you thinking a suspending jerk bait or are you you throwing one
3: that's gonna float? I throw a suspending jerk bait all the time. You've got two different kinds of jerk bait retrieves. A lot of people associate a jerk bait cold water. They jerk, jerk, pause. And that's really dependent on the water temperature. Normally, the hotter the water, the faster you have to work that jerk bait. You know, I may throw it out there and I may reel it down and I just constantly jerk, 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 jerk. And it's more of a reaction bite. So that's another good way to catch those fish. They're there for a reason, but they may not be biting when I throw that jerk bait past them, it forces them to. It's
2: good stuff there. Isaac, thanks for sending in that question through our Facebook page at Bass Edge. Dustin, certainly appreciate you sharing that great advice with Isaac. Isaac email us through our website at BassEdge.com and click on the Claim Your Prize tab and let us know you heard your question answered on the show and we will send out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card.
1: And you want to win the next O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card, be sure to continue sending in those questions to our Facebook page, our Twitter handle or shoot us an email support at BassEdge.com
2: right, Dustin, well certainly again congratulations on a fantastic season that you're having and also uh, really appreciate you taking time to to make your debut episode here on Bass Edge Radio. Any closing thoughts as we wind this thing down?
3: Man, I really appreciate y'all having me. Uh, it's been an awesome couple of weeks, really, and uh, I'm just going to try to keep this rolling and keep catching them bass.
1: Blue trophies pay bills, don't they, Dustin? <laughs> <laughs> no
3: doubt about it. <laughs> I'm glad to have one.
1: <laughs> that is awesome, man. Well, congratulations on that. Uh huge accomplishment, especially for a young guy, man. you got a huge uh, career in front of you, I feel like, and uh, – we got to make sure that we send you off, though, with our segment, four last questions for you. So question number one is, what is the last picture you took with your phone?
3: Last picture I took with my phone was a four-pounder I caught at Sam Rayburn, and it had a pop in its mouth that someone had broke off. I, <laughs> oh, reeled the fish up. I caught it on a worm, and I reeled it up, and someone broke the popper off. So I caught me a
1: four-pounder and a pop That's awesome. Okay, what's your favorite television show?
3: Mm, It's got to be Bassmaster TV. Bassmaster on espn too i love watching fishing anything related to fishing that's okay and what body of water did you catch your first bass that was on lake mitchell on the coosa river here in
1: alabama very cool and are you a bathroom singer absolutely it got to be <laughs> <laughs> that's when we all sound the best that's for sure well thanks dustin good luck the rest of the season hopefully you can knock out that classic berth. bass edge radio we'll be right back Justin Connell bringing the goodies today, Aaron. Super young angler. You know, he talked about being all experienced at the uh, tender age of 25. Dude, yeah. 25.
2: Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. We're old, Kurt. We're old. That's that's what it comes down to. But the beauty of it is, look at what he's done in such a short time. Very exciting. I can see why he's successful. The jerk bait obviously he talked a lot about that, and that's really, quite honestly, that's going to be something I'm going to challenge myself to throw more often, not just in cold weather.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a great post spawn bait. You get the, you know, shad moving, a lot of different things. Actually, I think we're have to have to get a tip from Dustin moving forward on on exactly what he looks for and and how he likes to. Work that jerkbait because he certainly seems to lean on that. But um, looking for, you know, how he does the rest of the year going up north, but uh a lot of great information there on river systems, whether it's a Mississippi River, TVA system, Coosa River, Alabama River, the Sabine River, BASS Open coming up. So, all you guys that are getting ready to go out and fish some rivers, make sure you double take this episode. Dustin brings the goodies on how to attack current and river and finding and locating those bass.
2: Yeah, no doubt, great information there. We are officially at our episode's end. I almost feel like we should close with, you know, school's out for the summer, the old song, you know, but uh, hey, remember, kids are out for the summer. If you get a chance, invite one to put them in the boat with you, you could possibly change the rest of their life and put them on on a new direction of enjoying the outdoors. But in the meantime, have a great two weeks Kurt and I will be back June 15th for episode number 258. And guess what? It is going to be another great episode. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. So long, everybody. Is presented
0: by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.